Will you stop and listen? What causes you to stop and take a pause? What breathtaking scene or unexplainable sight causes you to take a second look? We can all name any number of things from a beautiful sunrise or sunset to a wild animal in an unexpected place at an unexpected time to someone doing the unexplainable. For Moses, it was a burning bush. As a shepherd, he'd taken his sheep into the wilderness numerous times. He'd even traversed Mount Sinai with them before, but never had he witnessed a bush engulfed in flames that wasn't reduced to ash. This sight caused him to pause. It caused him to turn aside. The passage in Exodus 3 actually says, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the middle of the bush. And in verse 4, we read, when the Lord saw Moses coming to take a closer look, God called to him from the middle of the bush, Moses, Moses. God created a seemingly impossible phenomenon to see if he could get Moses to stop what he was doing, to step aside from his day-to-day tasks so he could converse with him. If we've read Exodus 3, we realize it wasn't a simple conversation of, how are you doing today? Just thought I'd catch up. It was a monumental moment in which God outlined his awareness of the oppression of the Hebrews and his intention to deliver them through Moses. Was it worth turning aside? You bet. Was Moses prepared? Not then, but he would be. Would he do it alone? Absolutely not. For God tells him, I will be with you. Joshua had one of those moments as well. Moses, before he'd passed, had laid hands on Joshua to anoint him as the new leader of the Israelites. In turn, God had assured him that the Lord your God is with you where you go. Pumped up his courage with wherever you set foot, you will be on land I have given you. And the repeated counsel, be strong and courageous. As a result, Joshua sent spies into Jericho and learned they too knew that God had given the Israelites their city and knew it was the power of the Lord that had delivered them through the Red Sea and the Amorite armies. Then he watched as God held back the waters of the Jordan River, allowing the people to once again cross on dry ground. But just before the march around Jericho, just as he was preparing to capture the first city in the promised land, Joshua looked up and saw a man standing in front of him with sword in hand. It was a fearsome, unexpected sight which stopped him in his tracks. Stepping up to this warrior, Joshua asked, Are you friend or foe? And the warrior answered, Neither one. I am the commander of the Lord's army. As with Moses, Joshua too was told, take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy, for Joshua was in the presence of the Lord. These men took a moment, paused what they were doing, bowed in God's presence, and heard his vital instructions. The same can be said for Philip in Acts 8. Persecution following the stoning of Stephen had swept him away from the city of Jerusalem and away from his appointed ministry of waiting on tables. But that didn't stop Philip from preaching. Heading into Samaria, he spoke to crowds of people who were eager to hear his message and see the miraculous signs he did. Demonized freed from their evil spirits and lame healed. Great joy came over the city for what God was doing there through Philip.
Even Simon the sorcerer, renowned for his magic tricks, apparently believed and was baptized. When Peter and John joined Philip, the baptism of repentance was expanded to include the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It was a robust time of ministry, a dramatic follow-up to the ministry Jesus began in his initial conversation with the Samaritan woman at the well. But God's work in beginning the church had just started. Philip could have imagined that things were going great in Samaria and he could just continue to preach and heal in the Samaritan villages. Yet God had something more for him. God stopped him a moment, drew him aside, spoke a new path for him, a new strategy of ministry to create a new beginning for people oppressed and seemingly forsaken. As for Philip, an angel of the Lord, we are told, said to him, go south down the desert road that runs from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out. Philip had to pause, look, listen, and prepare for the next phase of ministry God had planned for him. Do you know that to take this Gaza road required Philip to retrace his steps back to Jerusalem, the very city he'd fled from with the wave of the great persecution, and after traveling through the city, he had to head out on a heavily traveled military and commercial road toward the populated city of Gaza. Thus, he traveled about 31 miles, 50 kilometers, back to Jerusalem, through the city where both Romans and Jews were hostile to Christians, then onto the road toward Gaza, a distance of about 60 miles. Further, he didn't really know what he was to do. It was only after spotting the Ethiopian eunuch that the Holy Spirit instructed Philip, go over and walk beside the carriage. Can you imagine Philip's amazement? He knew this man wasn't a Jew. He knew this man was from another race and from likely this man practiced another religion. Clearly, he was a wealthy Ethiopian. Scripture gives us the Ethiopian's background as one holding a significant position as treasurer for the Queen of Ethiopia. Perhaps Philip would have even been aware that as a result of this man's position in the Queen's court, he was likely a eunuch, a state which could have caused Philip further reason to pause given that the Old Testament scripture warned against someone like this approaching the altar of God and, again, would be forbidden from entering the congregation of Israel. Thus, the Ethiopian couldn't even worship in the temple but would have to remain on the outside looking in, hearing little trying to piece together the truth of the scripture. Yet, despite his emasculation and the scriptural rejection, the eunuch had refused the gods of the Nubians, gods similar to those worshipped by the Egyptians, gods his employer, employee, employer, sorry, Queen Candace, had built numerous temples for worship. Yet this Ethiopian accepted the monotheistic faith of the Jews who worshiped Yahweh, king of the universe. In fact, he was so devoted that he traveled 1,500 miles from his Ethiopian city to Jerusalem to worship. Moreover, he'd paid good money for scrolls of the Hebrew scripture so he could continue to read and study for himself. 
It was to this man under these conditions that the Holy Spirit called Philip to leave his vibrant ministry in Samaria, those who were at least half Jews, to go to someone who had no Jewish roots, who moreover was considered unclean to the Jew for his eunuch status and foreign heritage. Did Philip hesitate? Did he question God for his wisdom or himself for his understanding? Absolutely not. He ran over to the carriage and upon hearing the Ethiopian read from the prophet Isaiah asked, do you understand what you're reading? Philip recognized a divine moment. He recognized the presence of God. Like Jesus, he was willing to leave the 99 and search the one lost sheep, not of Israel, but of the world. He may have learned Jesus said, just as you sent me into the world, I am sending them into the world and I give myself as a holy sacrifice for them so they can be made holy by your truth. Now, the Ethiopian could have cast aside Philip, a man who was clearly a poor commoner, hot and sweaty from his travels, perhaps a threat even to his safety. But the Ethiopian didn't see in Philip what he may have externally lacked, but instead what he internally possessed, an understanding of the Hebrew scriptures. Thus he urged Philip to come up into the carriage and sit with him and instruct him on the passage in Isaiah 53 that he was reading he was led like a sheep to the slaughter and as a lamb is silent before the shearers he did not open his mouth he was humiliated and received no justice who can speak of his descendants for his life was taken from the earth explain this to me the ethiopian asked is this from the prophet or someone else Now keep in mind that the Ethiopian was a learned man, a man of trade who traveled a great deal for his queen. He would have been aware of what had been happening in Jerusalem and in the entire region. Likely he would have heard about Jesus, his ministry, his death on the cross, even the rumors of his resurrection. Further, he would have likely have heard about the work of the Holy Spirit through the apostles, particularly the events of Pentecost in Jerusalem. So a study of this specific passage of scripture may have been rooted in his own desire to understand who this Jesus was. Perhaps he was asking like Pilate in John 18, what is truth? Certainly, that's the nature of his question to Philip. And as Jesus spoke in John 17, make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word, which is truth. But there was more to Jesus' prayer that is fulfilled in this moment between Philip and the Ethiopian. For Jesus said to his father, I am not praying only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. I pray that they will all be one, just as you and I are one, as you are in me, Father, and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world will believe you sent me. Hence the passage the Ethiopian was reading from Isaiah 53, foretelling Jesus' suffering, a life made, an offering for sin and his resurrection, and his call to the world for salvation in his name, was so appropriate to the message that Philip would head for him. And so it was that Philip was called to pause, to listen, to look, and to respond to the holy calling of God, to stop what he was doing, accept new instructions. In fact, he responded to instructions so vague that he was told only to travel on a particular road, but he started out. 
ignoring the concerns over what was next, the dangers of returning to Jerusalem, the site of great persecution, travel on a road, alone, beset with dangers, to encounter a man destined by God to change his part of the world. For beginning with this scripture, Philip told him the good news of Jesus, which would have likely included Isaiah 56, which openly and joyously welcomed one such as he into the family of God. Let not the foreigners joined himself to the Lord say, the Lord will surely separate me from his people. And let not the eunuch say, behold, I'm a dry tree. For thus says the Lord to the eunuchs who keep my Sabbaths, who choose the things that please me and hold fast my covenant, I will give in my house and within my walls a monument and a name better than sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that shall not be cut off. And the foreigners who join themselves to the Lord to minister to him, to love the name of the Lord and to be his servants, everyone who keeps the Sabbath and does not purvein it and holds fast my covenant, these will I bring to my holy mountain, and make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices will be accepted on my altar, for my house will be called a house of prayer for all peoples. The Lord God who gathers the outcasts of Israel declares, I will gather yet others to him besides those already gathered. In both of these passages, the Ethiopian would have undoubtedly shared with his people to bring them into the household of faith, that God embraces all people, regardless of their infirmity, and peoples from all races and regions. For you see, the Ethiopian received Philip's message and with great exuberance asked to be baptized, to wash away his sin, arise a new man, a man compelled to share the good news with others. And as Philip was called to speak to him, so the Ethiopian was called to speak to his countrymen, completing the circle of evangelism and faith found in Romans 10. So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. There's so much in the word of God. From the time the Lord walked with Adam in the cool of the evening till the time Jesus walked with his disciples upon this earth, he has asked that we draw aside to behold the light of the world, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. But will we turn aside from the desire for greater knowledge and power like Adam or even Simon the magician? Will we turn aside like Moses to see a curiosity only to be startled by the voice of God calling us by name? Will we turn aside to behold the warrior giving us instructions on holiness and battle strategy against the enemy? Will we turn aside from a vibrant ministry to speak to a single person God has arranged us to meet? Will we see the burning bush? Will we behold the Lamb of God? Will will we be enlightened by the light of the world? Will we listen and obey to see nations changed for his glory? Amen, beloved. Amen.